Well, good morning. God did give me a word for you guys this morning, but Pastor Heath's the one that decided I should be giving it this morning. <laughs> That's how I find myself up here, but I'm honored. I really am. And we're starting off kind of where we picked, left off last time. We're in Genesis 32. We're going into the journey. And it's when God feels distance. I mean, have you ever felt abandoned by God? Or like He's just not there? So today, you might feel frustrated that God is absent. Or, you know, there's problems that you're unaware of, but we can't, we just can't make God into something He's not. We can't miss the opportunities to go up the mountains and experience God personally because of selfish reasons and religious stubbornness. See, God desires to dwell among us, and we have the opportunity through Christ to go up to God and experience the presence of God for ourselves, just like the Israelites did. If we will give over the idols from our hearts, in our main scripture today is going to be Exodus 32, verses 4 through 10. While you guys are turning there, I'm going to go ahead and give you a little bit of background about it. See, the elders were at the mountain, and all that's been going on with Pastor Heath's been preaching it and letting us know. But the elders have gone up the mountain a little bit, and then Joshua and Moses have gone up a little farther, and Moses has gone up still, and then the elders decided to come back down with the rest of them who were kind of too scared to really go up in the first place and said, hey, Moses, can you go instead? Because we're chickening out here. If you're not to the scripture, too bad. Look on with your neighbor. We're going to get started. Verse 4. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Mm, That's not true. When Aaron saw this, he brought an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. How many of you know if, you know, your mama is talking to your dad and says, Your children, you're in trouble. You are in big trouble. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them, that I will make you into a great nation. So God just told them, not to do this stuff with the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and then he asked them to come hang out with them on the mountain. And they say, no, nah, I think we're going to go over here and do exactly what you told us not to. And then God basically says, all right, I'm going to kill them. I am really going to kill them. It's not a good idea. So when we think idol, we usually think like a big blatant, just like slap in the face to God. But... Let's look at it from the Israelites' view and see how in the world they went from having God, that experience on the mountain, and instead they went and had that cow idol. It's kind of like this. We've got Brother Israel sitting in the congregation. And here's what happened. He's hearing the pastor preach, you know, God's got a, a message. 
for the congregation for us all. And, you know, maybe he's getting into it, giving a few amens, but when the pastor gives the altar call and, and God moves on his heart, there's something in it that's, just, man, that's, that's too much, that's too difficult for me. I, I'm just not going to do it. I can't. And so the pastor says amen, and he's the first one out the door, and the rest of the day just kind of goes fine, whatever. But Monday morning rolls around, and he just starts having a horrible, rotten, nasty kind of day. And, and he just gets frustrated because he's like, God, where are you? You're not here. And that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. They were in a place and said, oh, God's not here. Moses has left us, and I don't know if he's ever coming back. So they literally had a cow. I know. I like that too. What happened when, so what happens when God gave a good message to the pastor? What happens when Monday comes and you feel abandoned, like God's not there? The pastor isn't there with three points and an altar call. This is how to not have a cow. And to do that, we're going to look at three things. What it looks like to find yourself in an idol-making situation so you can avoid it. What an idol for a Christian really looks like so you can get rid of it. And how Christ allows us to dwell in the presence of God so you can enjoy it. And that brings us to the first one. Idol situations. What will you be thinking when you find yourself in a potential idol-making situation? The Israelites felt abandoned. It had been 40 days since they'd met with God or seen anything about Moses. And let's be real. How many of us would make it 40 days without anybody speaking a word into us, without any prayer or Bible reading before we screw up? I don't know if I would make it. I don't think I would. And here's the thing. However, they they had chosen to avoid God's presence and send Moses up to get the word anyway. But when God's missing, there's always evidence of where he is. I mean, there's a big, giant, burning mountain over here. Where's God? I don't know. It's over there. There's always a way to find out where he is. It's usually obvious. See, they didn't want to go back up to the mountain, even though it was there and burning. Why? They knew that they had sin in their life. They were trying to trust in their own works to make them holy enough. However, their works of washing and fasting were never going to be good enough. It was only by the grace, through their faithful obedience, that God would allow them up the mountain. And He was going to allow them up the mountain. But today, if you are trusting in religious works, you will miss the presence of God. Because it's not enough to get you up the mountain. It's not enough to get you into the presence of God. God wanted the Israelites to go up the mountain. And he provided the means for them to do so by faith. Yet like us, we decline receiving the presence of God and say, What now? We're stuck here not knowing what to do. See, idols happen when you're idling. The Israelites were chilling at the base of the mountain, waiting on God to finish up what they were supposed to be a part of. And they were just idling there. And that's where this idol took place. 
Are you in an idol-making situation today? Are you idling in your life? Have you been letting the pastor or others go up the mountain of God for you? Have you been failing to enter his presence because you know you have sin issues and religion tells you that you just aren't good enough? Today, the mountain of God is accessible through Jesus Christ. He signed that contract so that we could go up that mountain. And God desires to dwell among us, to dwell among you. And that's evident in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 26 through 28. I will make a covenant of peace with them. I will be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them. And I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place also will be with them. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. And the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel. When my sanctuary is in their midst forever. If you've been neglecting spending time with God for whatever reason, you've got to get back to it. Because God wants you. And that's how you'll avoid making an idol. And this brings us to the next one. American idols. What does it look like when you start making an idol? See, there's a God-sized hole in all of us. There's an unacceptable void left when God is no longer evident in our life. Like Israel, we have a need to build another God as soon as possible when God seems distant. From the outside, you and I read this story. We see the calf and think, that was so incredibly stupid. Yet we so often do the same exact thing. We were made to worship God, and there's a God-sized hole in all of us. See, today there may be things in your life, like the gold rings that Israel brought out of Egypt. Things like our money, our sports, or four-wheelers, clothing, food, sex, entertainment, and the like which in themselves are not bad if they are being used according to God's word. However, when we forsake his word and his presence, we begin to shape those things into God and put his blessing on them. When in fact, God's still wondering why we aren't even finding time with him anymore. See the jewelry. Israel wanted the cow to be God so bad. They wanted something, something to worship. They didn't want to be alone, and neither do we. So they took their valuables they plundered from Egypt in the Exodus and tried to make God be present in their lives. Yet they broke the very word of God, trying to be closer to God. They began to treat the idol exactly like God told them to treat him in Exodus 20-24. They worshipped it, and they started offering fellowship offerings to this image This is the very thing that God desired with them. And this is the very thing God desires with us. And they were doing it to this imposter. Even today, if we haven't had a personal experience and revelation of God, we can easily start making God into something he's not. What are you looking for to replace God? What is standing in for God until he gets back? What are you conforming the word of God into saying? What are you trying to bless that God hasn't blessed? Oh, I I think God would want me to be happy, or I think God would want me to be prosperous, or or at least content. So I, I think God's fine with me 
riding my four-wheeler all over the place. I mean, I'm in nature and stuff because it makes me happy even though I'm not spending any time with him. I'm not, I'm not reading my Bible anymore. Or, you know, God, God wants me to be prosperous, so I'm just going to work all this extra jobs and I'm going to get some money and then I'm going to enjoy spending it. And God wants me to be happy and prosperous. He wouldn't want me to be sad. So I can do this. It's a good thing. But I'm no longer spending time with him. But, you know, I know he wants me to be happy. So I'll just focus on this job. I'll focus on this extra money. See, Romans chapter 1, verses 23 through 25, tells us that because mankind exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and animals, that God gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to degrading passions, to a natural desire, so their bodies would be dishonored. See, all those things, they are good. Yet all the while, we've made God into something we can control or speak for, something that doesn't scare us or that wouldn't take our whole lives. See, idols in our life exchange the truth of God for a lie. Who or what are we worshiping? It's kind of like this. Like, I like tacos, and we had tacos for dinner the other night. They were really good. They were. And y'all are going to get hungry. I'm sorry, but I'm already hungry. I was, I was at home this week trying to prepare for this message and fast for it. And during part of it, my stomach just started getting a little, little rumbly, and I was getting kind of hungry. So without thinking, I just got up and started pulling the stuff out of the fridge for the tacos that we had the other night. I, I got out the lettuce, and I, I cut it into nice, thin, crispy strips, perfect for tacos. I mean, it was good. I got out the tortillas, started putting some of the, the meat on there, and it hit me, and I just went, ah, oh, because I remembered I was trying to fast for this message and meet with God for it. But instead, I was starting to choose a taco over God. And so, you know, I started rationalizing it. I was like, but this is a good taco, God. It was delicious last night, and it still looks good. I mean, this is, you don't even know. This has got to be like the best taco in the world. I just want to eat it so bad. The stomach started like growling like I was starving to death. It was horrible. So, man. I just kept thinking, this is the, the best most delicious taco. I can't even stand it. There's never been a taco this good or amazing. That's what I was thinking as I started putting the stuff back in the fridge. <laughs> See, in that moment, though, a taco, food, had become an idol to me. Tacos alone are great. They're good things. Probably going to want one after service. <laughs> But see, if I choose that taco and it keeps me from God, I put it in God's place and it could become an idol in my life. And I really did about have a cow because I really wanted that taco. See, we, we all have a God-sized hole to fill, but don't guess what God wants. Amen. What are the idols in your life? Start examining whatever is of value around you. What things of Egypt that God's brought you out of have you been calling blessed by God? What do you need to put back into its place? What do you need to pile up at the feet of God and just say, forgive me, Lord? 
See, today in Christ, you can be closer to God. Today in Christ, that void in your life can be filled. Just give the idols to God, and you'll be free. Easy as that. Even tacos. And that brings us to the last one. Demolished idols and renovated hearts. Christ is the image of God. See that in Colossians 1, verses 14, 15, and 17. In Christ we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. See, Christ is the only image we can worship. Like Moses, he appealed to God for us. He sought God's favor for us. He interceded for us, and he asked forgiveness for us. And like Moses, Christ will destroy all the idols in this world. He will separate who is the Lord's and who is not. Today, like Israel, there may be consequences in this life for our sins, but there is eternal forgiveness in Christ. You have a choice to either side with God or keep trying to make it work without Him. Let Christ demolish those idols in your heart. But there is one last thing that happened before things were restored between God and Israel in Exodus chapter 33, verses 4 through 6. God had given them those ornaments and he'd given them from Egypt, but he required them to lay them down before they could move on. He was ready to kill them. And after he said that, he told them to lay those ornaments down. What's the connection? Why are these ornaments so important? See, you can't leave any room for future idols in your life. Those ornaments were selfish seeds. See, the gold ornaments and jewelry Israel plundered from Egypt at the Exodus was intended for building the tabernacle, which literally means the dwelling place of God. They were given to them by God. And their purpose was for God to be able to dwell among them and with them. But instead, they were selfishly using them for themselves. It's no wonder God was so mad. See, the seed of an idol is being selfish with something God's given you. Now, not all selfish seeds become idols, but all the idols do come from selfish seeds. And they had to return those seeds to God before they could return to God's presence. Today, God has redeemed you out of the slavery of sin. And there are things of value in your life, time and talent and treasure, that God can use for his glory. However, like Israel, we cannot call them blessed if we break God's word and reject his spirit. Sex, while good, outside of marriage, is not blessed. So stick to your spouse. And all the guilt that's kept going up inside of you, it'll soon be gone through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And good works, obviously good, but if you're doing them for the good works or for people's approval over God's, your good works are worthless. Return them to being for God, and you'll be chilling with God in no time. Israel did not see their idol 
as a problem. It represented God, after all. However, they broke the word of God. They rejected the presence of God. And they missed the purposes of God. What are you glorifying in place of God? What good things have become selfish? This very second, though, God desires fellowship with you. Put your selfish desires down and dwell in the presence of God through Christ. You can go up the mountain simply by God's grace through faith in Christ's work on the cross. No religious works can earn God's presence and no longer can sin separate you from God. And now I'm just going to ask God to bring to all of our minds, that he bring to your mind any idols you might have in your life. And all you have to do is give those idols over to Christ. And just like Moses destroyed that calf, Christ can get rid of that idol in your life. And those seeds, those selfish seeds, I'm praying that God will bring them to our minds right now. That any of those selfish seeds that we have, we would just lay down at the foot of the mountain of God, at the meeting place of God, that we would lay down those selfish seeds at His feet so that we would be rid of them. And God will take what was meant for good originally that we became selfish with and He will restore it to a good thing in your life. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I pray that as you walk with us every day, that you would bring to our minds any idols that come up in our lives. That we would be able to get them destroyed so that we could return to the meeting place with you and spend our time with you in your presence and really be able to enjoy it without something between us. And God, I pray as we go about our days that you would reveal to us what's starting to become selfish that was once good. That it would not become an idol, God, that we could lay it down at your feet and you would restore it fully and completely to the good thing you had for us in the first place. Then instead of something that would keep us away from you, it would be another way in which we could meet with you and dwell with you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Keith's going to come up and we're going to have communion.